Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Caught up in the glory from the prayer meeting that they had all night last night. Um, We have a number of people on vacation, but you're here and our online audience is here. And uh, we're just believing God to get all this behind us as quickly as we can, right? Right? You got to shout extra loud. I can't hear you behind them. And uh, I know the the mass thing's a big hot topic right now. And, and, you know, if if you wear one, you know, you're... Buying into the lie, and if you don't wear one, you want humans to die. I'm ready to throw anything at it if we can get this past us. I'll wear a hazmat suit if it'll get us past, right? But we're so honored to have you here this morning. And uh, we were going to make we were going to make the transition this past week. We're going to make it from one service to two. And then this week, the announcement came out from the health department where they're wanting to require everybody to wear masks um, out in public, which is fine. We have, we, we want to be good citizens. We want to be good members of our community and do everything we can. And so I want you, to, I, want to, I want to encourage you, you got to stay updated on our social media because this changes sometimes by the day, sometimes by the hour. We have an, an app where all the leaders communicate with each other, the leaders of teams and our, our, our staff, and, and we'll post links, and then we'll post another link that just completely undid everything the previous link. Just, I mean, it's just absolute madness. So this is a day-by-day moment. I wish I had long-term plans. I wish I could say, you know, in three weeks, everything's going to get back to normal. We don't know when that's going to be, but we're going to do this as best as we can. Amen? And you're here, so stay up to date with us on social media so you will know what is going on. You can do it on Instagram or you can do it on Facebook. Now, I've got a word for you this morning that I'm really excited about, but before we do that, we're going to receive the tithe and the offering. It's offering time. Now, if you want to give this morning, there are three simple ways that you can give. And uh, every pastor that I have talked to, I've got... I don't know how many friends that are pastors. All my friends are pastors pretty much. But every pastor that I've talked to, it's in a really challenging season because nobody knows where their church stands. I mean, we have families that we've not seen since March, right, since the shutdown happened. And so, so many of my pastor friends were like, we don't know where where our church is at. Once this gets behind us, we don't know what things are going to look like. Um, and so once they talk about attendance, and there's no proper way to gauge that right now, they start talking about giving. And I've told you that we've had, I've had friends whose churches have shut down in the last three months. Friends of mine that's had campuses shut down in the last three months because nobody saw this was coming. Because every leader knows that not only is attendance a sign of health, right? But giving's a sign of health. And we've been able, this is what is crazy. This is what's crazy, okay? We had a number of things on our project list as a church that we wanted to get done. We wanted to buy all brand new lighting. We wanted to buy camera equipment. We needed new computers to run that camera equipment. We've got several things still that we're wanting to do. In the last three months, we've been able to make more progress on those goals than we were before the shutdown ever happened because of you. Because of you. We've got a couple of thousand dollars worth of brand new lights going to be installed this week. We bought brand new camera equipment. We bought computers to run the camera equipment. We're buying a new lighting computer. We're going to put down carpet in Jesus' name. I call it forth glory to God because I can't look at this anymore. And uh, we've just, because because of the heart and the faithfulness and the generosity of our church people at Hope Unlimited, we've been able to make unbelievable progress. Um, in the last three months, and we believe it's just the beginning. Amen? So if you want to give this morning, 
there are three simple ways you can give. The first way you can give is you can give online by visiting our website at hopeunlimited.church. That's hopeunlimited.church. Click on the give button and you can give that way. Or if you want to give through text to give, you can text any amount to the number that's on the screen, the number 84321, 84321. Text any amount to that number on your screen. You'll receive a link back in your text messaging service. Click on that link. You can give that way. Or if you want to give through text to give, you can make your checks out to Hope Unlimited. And on your way out today, we're not going to pass the offering containers on your way out today. You can drop your offering out at, uh, at the doors on your way out. We'll have some ushers there with those containers and are you excited about giving to God this morning? <clears throat> Stand up on your feet with me and we're going to make a declaration over you. And we're going to make a declaration over you, over your family, over your life, where we speak increase and in blessing. Is anybody for that this morning? Increase and in blessing and favor to you. Say this with me. Father, I declare today that I am a tither and a giver. Because of my obedience to your word, I receive prosperity in every area of my life. I thank you that I have more than enough in all things. You've given me the power to get wealth. You meet all my needs according to your riches and glory, and you multiply every seed I sow. You rebuke the devourer for my sake. The windows of heaven are opened over my life, and your blessing makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. Like Joseph, I prosper wherever I go and in every situation because you are with us. Father, thank you for meeting all of our financial needs that we may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and accomplish your purposes in the earth. Everybody shout hallelujah and give God a praise in Jesus' name. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, brother. <clears throat> Actually, you can step here for a minute. I kind of like that. Uh, go grab your Bible and go with me to the book of, we're going to go to the book of Revelation. Oh, God. <laughs> the book of Revelation. And uh, I'm going to preach on the multi-headed monster coming out of the ocean. Not really. I'm not really going to do that. Uh <laughs> Revelation chapter 21, and uh, I'm going to read just a quick uh, five verses to you. Revelation 21. <clears throat> I'm going to start reading with verse 1. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation for, for your sake. Is that it? Yeah. Revelation 21 verse 1. Then in a vision, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and earth had passed away, and the sea no longer existed. Now, I know that is very problematic for people over the years. I've talked to them about it. That doesn't mean uh, at the end of the age you can't go to the beach anymore. That's not what he's talking about. And the sea no longer existed. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of the heavenly realm from the presence of God, like a pleasing bride that had been prepared for her husband, Adorned for her wedding. Don't you love this picture? No, you don't? <laughs> and I heard a thunderous voice from the throne saying, Look, God's tabernacle is with human beings. And from now on, he will tabernacle with them as their God. Now God himself will have his home with them. God with them will be their God. Verse four, <clears throat> this is the part I want to focus on. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and he will eliminate death entirely. Somebody needs to say something. No one will mourn or weep any longer. Watch, the pain of wounds will no longer exist for the old order has ceased. No, I'm going to read that again. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and eliminate death entirely. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and eliminate death entirely. No longer, no one will mourn or weep any longer. The pain of wounds will no longer exist for the old order has ceased. And God enthroned spoke this to me saying, consider this, 
I am making everything to be new and fresh. Write down at once all that I have told you because each word is trustworthy and dependable. Can I get a witness from somebody? All right, that's good, brother. Thanks. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach this morning. I'm going to start a series, and it could last two weeks. It could last 22 weeks. I don't know. It's probably not going to last 22 weeks because my attention span isn't that long. So if we get three weeks of this, we'll be good, but I'm going to preach on this today. And if I could title it this series, which I'll know my feelings about series, but if I could title this series, it would be the Bible never said that. <laughs> Give it another name. The Bible doesn't tell me so. Okay. The Bible doesn't tell me so. I know as good evangelical Pentecostal believers that we like to tell ourselves that we believe what the Bible says, right? <laughs> Y'all know it's coming. You're like, I ain't saying nothing. I don't know where he's taking this. That's what we say. We believe the Bible. It's on Facebook all the time. Well, I believe what the Bible says. It's like, Really? You believe, you believe there's going to be literal monsters climbing out of the... I believe the Bible. It's like, wow, all righty. The reality is we don't believe what the Bible says. We believe what we think the Bible says. Okay? Because most of us, the convictions we hold right now were passed down to us, not discovered by us. You with me? Y'all got to talk real loud because I can't hear through those masks. Most of the convictions that we hold right now were inherited, not revealed. Okay? And so we don't believe what the Bible says. We believe what we think the Bible says. However, if our traditional doctrine and biblical revelation ever come into conflict, we will pick our tradition every time. Because in our tradition, there is safety even if it's wrong. But if it's wrong, is it really safe? If we, if we embrace ideas about God that are not true, is it really safe to hold on to those beliefs? Okay? The Bible never said that. This is what I'm attempting to do through this series. I want to take some of those precious sacred cows and lead them behind the barn and shoot them. You also know my feelings about Facebook. Facebook's got to be the greatest social experiment in the history of the world. Okay. Because it gives you a glimpse into how people really think, which is absolutely terrifying. Okay. And if I post something on Facebook that is along the evangelical traditional line, everybody chimes in. That's why we love you. You preach the truth. You ain't afraid to preach the truth. But then if I post something that's actually biblical, why you got to be so divisive? We don't even know who you are. You moved to Knoxville and lost everything. Everything in your brain just fell out. That's what people say. When I was preaching what you wanted, it was the truth. But when I'm preaching the Bible, it's I wasn't preaching the truth. I was preaching your truth. Okay, And so when tradition and scripture come into conflict, our tradition typically wins every time. And this is why this is important to me. A.W. Tozer said it this way. He said, the most important thing about any person is how they think about God. And our churches 
in our churches for the last 50 years at a minimum, we have said things and thought things that are unworthy of God. We have painted a picture of God that is unworthy of him. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. I'm going to help you. You're gonna, you, at the end, you're going to be like, oh, that was so good. Okay. We believe that God is good. I don't believe God is good. I believe God is goodness. I don't believe good is just a portion of one of his many traits. Goodness is the essence of who he is. Right? It's like when people say, do you know God exists? I don't believe God exists. God is existence. God is not one being among other beings. God is the ultimate source of all that is. You hearing what I'm saying? We have to think about God in bigger and, and more, more compelling, more beautiful ways. God is not just one Christian. This is what we always say. Well, there's heaven and then God lives in heaven. God does not live in heaven. Heaven is in God. God is not in it. You knew that, right? Do you see how, how small we've thought about God? And so when we create these images of God in our heads, that is the essence of idolatry. Because we have created a God in our image rather than allowing God to create us and change us into his image. And so the reason I want to preach this series is because I want to tell people how good God really is because we've been painted a picture, we've been told a story about God that is unworthy of him. Okay? Now, the first thing that I see probably most prominent about God that we say is this. And I, I want you to hear this. This, this is a statement that I'm coming against and saying the Bible never said that. The Bible does not tell you that. You ready? Here it comes. You ready? Everything that happens, happens for a reason. How many times you heard that? About a million. You know, brother, everything that happens, happens for a reason. We say that to people in the most heartbreaking, gut-wrenching moments of their life. Well, you know, brother, everything happens for a reason. I had a dear friend that lost his uh, teenage daughter. He lost his teenage daughter, and uh, it, was a, it was a horrific situation. She was actually murdered. It was a horrific situation. And everybody, and I know people were trying to, uh, trying to, be, uh, be comforting. I, I get all that. And they were trying to comfort him and they were saying, well, you know, man, it's because her assignment on this earth was done. It's up. Her time was up. And heaven needed another angel to give God his praises. What kind of a God is so twisted that he would murder a teenager and destroy our life for his own purposes. Is that really the picture of God? Is that the picture of a God that we want to serve? Because that picture is not good. Y'all are getting offended for some reason. I'm trying to help you. That picture is not good. Well, brother, in, my, in, in, God, in God's wisdom, it is good. It is not good. His thoughts transcend our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts do transcend our thoughts. They're not infinitely contrary to our thoughts. If it's good to us, then his goodness can only be bigger than our goodness, but not different than our understanding of goodness. Do you understand that? That's what people say all the time when you talk about the goodness of God. And you say, I don't see how that could be God because there's nothing about that good. Well, God doesn't have to conform to your sense of goodness. God gave me this sense of goodness. It was hardwired into who I am. And if what I think is good and when it applies to God, it is evil and vice versa, then how do we know anything about God at all to be true? Does that make sense to you? Is this too philosophical? Right. <laughs> Sound like Plato. 
everything that happens, happens for a reason. Let me, let me give you some pastoral advice. Don't ever say that to somebody. Because there's nothing comforting found in that. There's nothing about that that's remotely appropriate. The best thing you can do when people are hurting is sit there and be awkward with them. That's it. I don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to say other than the evil that you have just experienced is absolutely meaningless and God does not have a purpose in this at all. When I say, let me, let me, let me give you some terms before we go further. When I say the word evil, I'm talking about two different things. Okay. When I say evil, I'm talking about number one, what we call natural evil. Natural evil is when a hurricane hits a country and kills 100,000 people, right? Natural evil is when somebody's life is taken prematurely in a car accident. That's natural evil. You have natural evil, then you have human evil. When humans make wicked decisions that inflict pain and suffering on humanity. And this is the question that we have to answer. Are you ready for this? Are you ready to go deeper? We believe that God is all good. And we believe that God is all powerful. How can God be good and be all powerful and evil still run rampant? You ever ask yourself that question? You ever thought about that? Surely you have. Like, how, how could this be a thing? The greatest ideas of evil that the church has ever embraced is that evil is not a thing in and of itself. That's a question people ask. Who created evil? Where did evil come from? Evil is not a thing by itself. Evil is simply the privation of what is good. You have what is good, and evil is the absolute negation of what is good. Does that make sense to you? Okay? So, when we say everything that happens, happens for a reason, we're communicating, even though this was evil, God's going to use it for his purposes and make it good. But if it's evil, and it gets used for good, is it still really even evil at that point? This is what we have to know to be true about God. You with me? We have to know, number one, that God is transcendent goodness. He is infinite goodness. He doesn't have goodness. Goodness is what he is. He is the absolute good of all that is. Okay? Second thing we have to know is that God is fully, completely, totally, at all times against evil in all of its manifestations. Okay? You with me? God is fully, completely, utterly against evil in all of its forms. So it is untrue for us to say, God's going to use that. And make it good. That's not true. God doesn't use evil. God doesn't need evil to accomplish his purposes. God does not use evil and turn it for good. God does good in spite of evil. But he does not need evil. So when we say things like, well, everything that happens, happens for a reason, we are painting a grotesque picture of who God is. And if that is who he is, he is certainly not good. And we've heard this for 50 years. Have we not? Well, brother, I know your kid died of leukemia. But the Lord works in mysterious ways. This isn't his working. This isn't him. We've got to know that God sides with us against evil in every way. That's what the cross is. It is God coming against evil in all of its forms. 
The we have this, and I, I'm not even preaching on the cross because we've got the cross completely wrong. Completely wrong. We believe that the cross is where God killed Jesus so he wouldn't have to kill us. Because he was so unbelievably, unfathomably angry that he just had to kill something. Tell me that's not the gospel that we've, the, the gospel that we've preached. The cross is not God against us. The cross is God against evil. And brokenness and suffering. The cross is God against death. Are you, this is too theological for you. I should have done this on a Wednesday night. I'm sorry. Everything that happens, happens for a reason. The Bible never said that. The Bible never said that. Well, you know, brother, this is the, you know, brother, in Romans 8, 28. Yeah, I've never read that verse. Quote it to me. <laughs> All things work together for the good for those that love God. That verse in its context has absolutely nothing to do with hell breaking loose in your life. Verse 26 says, the spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered and all things work together for good. He's talking about the spirit praying through you in ways that you can't even detect and all of that working together for good. Not ultimate evil in some twisted kind of way being worked out for good. God is against evil in every way and he doesn't need it to accomplish his purpose in your life. Okay? So then what do we make of evil? What happens then? If everything that happens does not happen for a reason, it means that evil itself has no reason. It's evil. It doesn't need a reason. It doesn't need a purpose. It just is. And what do we make of evil ultimately? And this is what makes the gospel so beautiful and this is what makes God so good the reason I'm impassioned about this is because we have preached a gospel that is not the full beauty of everything that God is and does that we have preached to God that we have painted as less good than he actually is and we've erected these idols and then try to get people to come and serve our idol. And invite people to come to a corporate gathering and let's lift our hands and exalt this idol that we've created in our own minds. But it's not the God of the Bible. It's not ultimate goodness. It's not the God that is fully, completely against evil in all of its forms. In every area of your life where there has been pain or suffering or heartbreak, gut-wrenching agony, God was not in that. God was against that and he was for you. Do you hear that? The divorce wasn't God. That wasn't God. The car wreck wasn't God. The miscarriage wasn't in some twisted kind of way God. God was against that. So what do we make of evil? Let me read this to you again, verse four. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, eliminate death entirely. No one will mourn or weep any longer. The pain of wounds, watch will no longer exist for the old order has ceased. Watch. If God is good and we believe he is, right? And if God is just and I, we, we've talked about this when we think of justice we think punishment for crimes. That is not God's definition of justice. God's definition of justice is wrong things are made right. So watch. If God is good and God is just, there are wrongs that have happened to you in your past that you've had to get over 
move past, grow beyond. But they were never made right. There are people taken from you prematurely. Right? My wife's grandfather, who's probably the person closest to her that she's ever lost, he was taken from their family prematurely. Our worship leader, Emily, her father was taken from her prematurely. Those are wrongs that, haven't been made, that have not been made right yet. But if God is just, no wrong can stay wrong. So when we read this text, this is, I want you to wrap your minds up. This is the beauty of Jesus and the goodness of God. Listen. When we read this text, that when he appears, when Christ appears again, he will wipe away every tear from our eye. We interpret that as he will wipe away the tears that we're currently shedding. And he will remove the pain that could cause tears in the future. That's not what he's talking about. Can I give you this thought? You with me? When Jesus appears... It is not an event that happens at a moment in time, although it is that. It is an event that happens to all of time at the same time. <laughs> no, no, no. That means every wrong in your past, when he comes back, somehow in God's powerful way is made right, Paul said, in the blink of an eye. No, 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 no. His appearing is not just he's remaking the earth and we get to have a great future. His appearing is all of the pain of the past, all of those wrongs are made right too. That's how he wipes away every tear from the eye and the pain of old wounds no longer exists because I declare I make all things new and I make all things fresh. Everything does not happen for a reason, but Jesus will happen to everything that's ever happened. <laughs> no, I shouldn't have done this. I can already tell I shouldn't have done this. I should have waited on this, but it's okay. When Jesus comes, he happens to all of time at the same time. And the pain of your pain, because this is what we teach people. Well, when Jesus comes, all of those old pains, he's just going to supernaturally remove it from your brain. You're going to have a divine lobotomy. Right? I can say some stuff right now that would mess all of your theology up one side and down the other, but I won't. I've had people say that. Well, you've lost loved ones. And Jesus is just going to take that part of your brain out of you. Like it never happened. Where do we come up with this stuff? Heavenly brain surgery. We make this stuff up. You know why? Because we can't really believe that God is as good as that book says he is. There's still a part of us. I could say some things about the goodness of God right now. I could, if, if I'm, I'm sitting here saying God is the infinite source of goodness. He is goodness itself. And everybody says, yes. And then I could say some statements about what that means if he is that good. And we'll say, I don't know. Right? God is God is. Bigger than our goodness. Everything we believe to be good, God is bigger than that. Yes. And this is what that means. No, I don't, can't go there because I don't believe he's that good. I believe the gospel is better news, but not good news. So we've thought wrongly about God. And then scratch our heads wondering why we cannot get the world to flock to our idol. Right? And even at times, 
we even have a hard time serving our idol. The only thing that keeps us going is we don't want to go to hell. Just sit right there, I know. <laughs> if, if hell was not even in the equation, would you even still serve God? I believe in hell, simmer down. I, be, I, I believe in hell. Okay? But if that was not in the equation, would we even serve God? Because fear is our fuel, not goodness. Right? The fear, the fear of God is what we use to raise our kids. Not God's goodness. We paint a picture of how bad it will be if you make a mistake rather than how good he is. And who else would, who else would, would choose otherwise? Right? Everything that has happened did not happen for a reason. But everything that has happened does have an ultimate destiny. And that ultimate destiny is when Jesus appears, he will happen to those wrongs and make them right. Tell me that's not beautiful. Tell me that's not amazing. Tell me that's not awesome. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. He'll eliminate death entirely. No one will mourn or weep any longer. The pain of wounds will no longer exist. For the old order is gone. And God enthroned spoke to me saying, consider this. I'm making everything to be new and fresh. Write down at once all that I've told you. And the King James says, because these sayings are true and they're faithful. Everything does not happen for a reason. There's no great reason. There's no mysterious plan of God behind your suffering and your pain. There's no mysterious plan of God behind your loss. It's simply absurd evil. Everything doesn't happen for a reason, but Jesus will happen to everything. And that's our hope. That's our hope, right? That's our hope. Y'all enjoy talking about God like this? We've made him too small. We've made him too much like us. We've made him too much like us. We ascribe things to God that would be completely heinous if a human did it. But because God did it somehow in some twisted kind of mental gymnastics, it becomes good. Jesus taught us how to think about God. He said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those that ask him? He said, the goodness that you have towards your children, as good and as pure and as loving as that is, in light of him, could be considered evil. If you, being evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more? I am going to see to it that we lead this church into a full revelation of the goodness of God. Right? The goodness of God. It's got to be goodness that keeps you serving him, not fear. But it's easier to preach fear. We can wrap our hands, we can wrap our minds, we can wrap our hearts around fear better than we can his goodness. Okay. Let me give you this example. If... I heard a great theologian use this example, and it's true. If you have two doors, standing behind these two doors, behind one is a, is a, a famished tiger. 
that will eat you if you open the door. That's behind door number one. And behind door number two, there's a million dollars. If you don't know what's behind either door, there's a 50-50 chance you could pick either door, right? That's not a trick question. The answer is yes, right? <laughs> However, if I told you behind door number one is a famished tiger and behind door number two is a million dollars, what are the chances that you'd still pick door number one? If you pick door number one in light of that knowledge, you would be deranged, right? You would pick door number two. Why? Because it's better. And we've not told people the full beauty of what's behind door number two. So there's a 50-50 chance which way they'll pick. Oh, we have preached the tiger. But sometimes the God behind door number two is worse than the tiger. Sometimes the picture of the God behind door number two is way more heinous than anything that could be waiting behind door number one. But if we tell them the full beauty and goodness of all that is is behind door number two, What's the chances they'll pick door number one? None at all. Stand on your feet. This is why Paul said, it is the goodness of God. It is, he did not say, it is the fear of hell that leads men to repentance. I would challenge anybody in this room, please bring me a verse of any kind. Greek, Hebrew, all, get all your translations, all the translations you got. New Living, NRSV, NIV, Passion Translation, the Amplified, the New Living Tree of Life, Jewish Bible, whatever you got. The King James, the New King, whatever you got. Pull, pull all those together and bring me one instance where Paul uses hell as a mechanism to get people to go after God. It's not there. Hell is completely absent from Paul's teaching. Because Paul knew only goodness brings men to repentance, to real repentance. Right? This has always been fascinating to me. I the reason I'm serving God is because in the middle of sin, and I got saved when I was 12, so it's not like I was out partying. Right. I really didn't do anything. I just knew I wasn't right with God. And I guarantee you there's so many of you in here that have this testimony. And in the middle of you feeling condemned and sinful and unworthy and broken and and cold and just backslidden and just in the middle of you feeling unsaved God's love broke in and he loved you in a way that you never anticipated and you knew if this is who you are I'm going to serve you the rest of my life how many of you have that testimony watch that's my testimony that his love transformed me. But we so, but we so have a lack of faith in his love that once you get saved, all we're gonna preach is all we're gonna preach about is all the terrible things that'll happen to you if you make a mistake. It was the love that saved you, but we don't believe that love is powerful enough to keep you. Listen to people talk about it online. Well, all these preachers just preaching, God is love, God is love, God is love. When are they going to start preaching the truth? God is love, God is love. That is the most jacked up, perverted vision of love that I've ever heard because God's love is the most powerful force in the universe to change anybody. Of course we're preaching God is love. You got something stronger than that? You got a, be you got a better club in the back for that? 
You got something more effective? God's better than we've thought he is. God's better than we've preached. And for everybody listening to me, online and in this room, where you've experienced pain and suffering and heartbreak, hear me well. God was not in that. God was against that and God was for you. Fully, completely, always against evil in all of its manifestations. Right? And he will make that right. That is our hope. He will make all wrong things right. And he will fully, finally defeat evil forever. That's our hope. Isn't that beautiful? Lift your hands to him this morning. Lord, we love you so much. I need you, church. I need you to just talk to him for the next 20 seconds in your own way and tell him you love him. We love you, Lord. You're good. You're good. You're amazing. You're awesome. You're powerful. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. And Father, we ask you, tear down every idolatrous view of you that we hold can we pray that church tear down every idolatrous view of you that we hold every idea about you that we've inherited every idea about you that's unworthy of you help us eradicate it out of our life and let us see you in your beauty and your goodness and your power and your justice in Jesus' name. If anybody needs prayer for anything this morning, our altars are always open. We, you're more than welcome to come pray. And we will have people pray with you. If you don't want people to, to touch you or, or anything like that, that's fine. We'll just pray with you from a distance. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can make that decision today. Just come and pray. One of our team members will meet you and we'll pray with you. In Jesus' name. Father, show us your glory. Show us your glory. Show us your goodness. You're wonderful. You're awesome. You're mighty. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. It's like after a sermon like that, you're like, all right, no, we need to do a question and answer session because everybody's confused. Well, where did evil come from and how does that work? And what about the Garden of Eden? And as somebody asked me the other day, they said, so, you bring it down just a bit, Gentry. They said, so, when Jesus comes back and we're all living with him, right? So, yeah. I said, how do we know that somebody in heaven ain't going to disobey again <laughs> and us have to start all over. Right? You ever had that question? We, <laughs> we don't, <laughs> we don't want to do this again. We don't want another 2020. This is, we're in hell. This is hell. <laughs> And my, my response is, our problem is, is we think that everything that's wrong in the world happened because of choice. Adam and Eve made a bad decision and all hell broke loose. That's not how that works. It is actually damaging to people 
when we say everything that's happened in your life happens because you made a choice. Evil was in the garden before Adam and Eve were. Evil asserted itself. Think about this in the garden. You have, am I talking too long? Is this all right? Think about this. In the garden, you have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You have Eve being tempted in the garden and you have a serpent asserting evil toward Eve and influencing her in the garden. The garden. What we, these Sunday school readings of this perfect paradise was everything was wonderful. There were serpents in the garden. There was evil there asserting itself. How do we know this won't happen again? Because when Jesus appears, he destroys evil forever. Right? I could go, we'll go down that road deeper later. What I want you to know is the most important thing about us is how we think about God. And things that we say, things that we attribute, things that we credit to God, ways we think about him are unworthy of him. And we've got to let the truth of God's word go into our minds and drive out everything that is unworthy of God. So we see him clearly. Amen. We love you, Hope Unlimited, so much. And uh, you're incredible. We hope this encouraged you. I, 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 want, I want you to get this. I want your vision of God to be bigger. I want your vision of God to be bigger. I want it to be big. Some of you, it blew your mind. Wait, God doesn't live in heaven? No. Heaven can't contain God. God contains heaven. We got to get a bigger vision of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.